0: for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. We are a local church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We are a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's In sermon. Your hands, you hold the
1: Oftentimes people ask me where I get illustrations, and we know there are lots of current events. There are things in history and even in science that sometimes can be useful to us to help us illustrate uh, kingdom principles, but sometimes I find as well is that uh, there are things in the strange or the odd news that demonstrate a very real point, and I've brought a couple of articles up uh, here uh one, this takes place here in Waterville, Washington. It says, an argument over butter. In a macaroni and cheese recipe churned into violence between a brother and a sister, a 21-year-old man called police to say his 17-year-old sister tried to cut his neck with the serrated edge of a spatula. The police report said the sister was making macaroni and cheese when her brother asked if she was using Butter. That led to an argument over the difference between butter and margarine. Then the butter battle escalated. (laughs) Here's another one out of Connecticut. Connecticut authorities said a a 54-year-old man and his girlfriend were arrested after a dispute over a noisy video game erupted into a struggle with police officers. Goes on to say that the man, Georgia Stein, was playing video games Sunday night when a child annoyed by the noise shut the door to the room that Stein was in. How many know that's a little twist on the uh, video game there? Police said Stein got angry and grabbed some kind of weapon which led his girlfriend's son to call the police. Authorities said the girlfriend, 42-year-old April Devol became combative with officers, refused to let go of a front porch post, and then spat in the officer's face. She was charged with assault on police and other crimes. Stein was charged with threatening. Uh, Both posted their bail. Again, when we read articles like this, you know, they're just unusual, off of the wall, and it demonstrates that there are a lot of people who have little or no control over their life. And that they can escalate over some of the silliest of arguments that turns into something where the police have to be called. I know one of the... Promises that Jesus has for our life, that if we'll trust our life in his hands, we can have a little more control over circumstances in our life. We can build on a real and a firm foundation. We can build something that will stand the test of time. I want to look at a portion of scripture in Psalms 119. And I remember as a youth, there were times, whether it was on the playground and Sometimes even adults that had tried to pull me aside and tell me to straighten up. And I'd get a little mouthy and I'd say, yeah, make me. I had friends in school, my brother and I frequently uh, uh, you know, fought with each other. I was the youngest of my uh, five siblings and uh, I was always on the short end of the stick most of the time. Uh, but we had this uh, attitude at time. well yeah, who's going to make me? You and whose army? But I wonder sometimes is that that attitude that we have, uh, how different our lives would be how much more rewarding would our experiences be if we could change the way we speak those words and direct them towards our Maker and our Redeemer. This is a sermon tonight that I've entitled, Make Me. In Psalms 119, verse 34 through 46, it says, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. And I will speak of your testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. Again, I want to consider, first of all, our need to be made. We can almost feel the emotion, the passion of the psalmist as he writes these words, Make me to walk in the path of your commandments. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. How many know that sometimes we need a little help in life when it comes to steering clear of the things that can hurt us? And this is a very real appeal of someone who loves and respects the things of God. But yet we know we have an old nature, this flesh, uh, this body of death that the Apostle Paul talked about. Uh, Again, it is a reference to how in the old days the Romans frequently, uh, when they would apprehend people after a battle, they would chain dead bodies to those individuals. They would be forced to carry it with them as that body would begin to deteriorate and would decompose and its stench would be in their nostrils. And he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? God is able to deliver us. He is able to set us free, uh, to sanctify us, to change us from glory unto glory. But How many know this old nature needs some incentives at times? maybe even a threat from time to time, uh, some conjoling, even some discomfort. This is why we believe that fasting is important uh, because it does show, it demonstrates that we're serious about our requests and our appeals before God. And so we deliberately choose to deny our flesh so that we might grow in the spirit. See, our nature fights against restrictions. Do we... Embrace a yoke of bondage or a yoke of ease. Jesus uh, encouraged us. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, He's speaking to those, uh, many of them that were enslaved. Uh, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, His promise is that your life, your experience, will be better if you believe in him if you can put your trust in him, your future and your destiny in his hands. For he sets the captive free, he sets at liberty them that are bruised. You know, there was times growing up on my dad's farm. I remember when I was uh, very small, I just wanted to be like the adults. I wanted to do things. No, you're too young. I, you have to do this. And well, I want to drive the tractor. No, you can't drive the tractor. You're too young. And uh, But by the time I was in fourth and fifth grade, I was driving trucks and tractors and things like that. And then it got where I realized I wasn't getting paid to do this. <laughs> And then I began to actually sometimes work harder at getting out of work than if I would have just done it in the first place. How many know what I'm talking about? And this is true, especially when it comes to truth. Truth gets easier when we submit to it when we embrace it, uh, when we allow it to be a part of our life, we frequently use this, a term that's somewhat cliche, uh, but we encourage people to open their heart to the Lord. There's something about being open uh, that God uh, can adjust and address issues of our life. Paul even addresses this in Second Corinthians 6, verses 11 through 18. O Corinthians... We have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, and I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I want to consider, secondly, meeting our makers. We know that in the process of discipleship, becoming a believer, being changed, we know that there is a molding process, the shaping of our lives. I'm not the man I used to be. God has changed me, uh, but I also know that I'm not all that I should be. Uh, I still aspire to be more like Jesus every day. Uh, And this is why the uh, Apostle Paul wrote that today is the day of salvation. Uh, I gave my life to Jesus in 1979, and God saved me. And I'm saved today. And I was saved yesterday and the day before because I chose To serve Jesus I chose to worship him and he is the one who is shaping and molding my life there's an interesting analogy we find in scripture there are lots of references to different types of sacrifices in the Old Testament different offerings that people would bring but one of the offerings was the drink offering and uh, uh, probably the most familiar scripture that many of us had, that even King David, when he was on his deathbed, uh, he whispered a simple request, "Oh, that I might drink of the water of the wells of Bethlehem." And his mighty man heard that request, uh, they weren't asked to, but they hazarded their lives. They went behind enemy lines where the Philistines had control. They retrieved the water and they brought it to their king. And David said, I am not worthy to receive such an offering. I am not worthy that these men would have hazarded their lives for me for such a gesture. And it says he poured it out unto the Lord. And the truth is, is that our lives are being poured one way or another. This battle between light and darkness, righteousness and lawlessness in our generation. We know the unbelieving world will make you an unbelieving person. The sensual world will make you sensual. The violent world will either make you violent or else abused. Again, going back to Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 6, uh, he is encouraging uh, the church, the believer, uh, to come out of the dark mold. What fellowship has light with darkness? What communion has Christ with Belial? Uh, This is reference to the nature of our adversary who is a liar from the beginning. uh, That we are not to have communion uh, in that sense. Uh, And this is the trial of being separate. The trial of being different. In Psalms 89 verses 50 and 51, the Psalmist appeals, remember, Lord, the reproach of your servants. How I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which your enemies have reproached, O oh Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed So here we see even ancient scriptures that address those who have made stands for righteousness, those who want to put God first in their life. There are those who hate God. There are those who are enemies of righteousness, who reproach your efforts, your choices and your decisions in life. Every believer will experience the pressure of peers, even family members, And this is an unwelcome mold for many of us. Remember Jesus teaching about the sower and the seed, uh, how the seed falls in different places. It says some of the seed falls in stony areas where the seed immediately begins to grow, uh, but because it has no root, it quickly withers and dies. When the disciples asked an explanation, what does this mean? Uh, Jesus went on to say is that seed was like the believer who at first receives the word of God with joy. This is everything I've ever wanted. This is everything I've ever looked for in life. Uh, I feel the joy of sins forgiven. Uh, But when they begin to share that joy with others, they begin to experience reproach and rejection. And they have no root within themselves and quickly they find themselves unfruitful and unproductive faith cannot remain in that circumstance living under accusation uh, failings of others the challenge even in the political and educational realm if You voted for this person or that person. Uh, don't, you don't believe in evolution. And uh, it can go on and on. Sometimes the pressure that the unbelieving world will place upon a believer. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, many of us are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. As ma- multitudes of people followed Jesus uh, to hear these words, he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Paul weighs in on the same subject in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Speaking of the privilege that we have to be called children of God. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. See, People will say unfair things. People will lie. Uh, It's astounding over the years, things I know that I've been accused of. Uh, When uh, my family and I first uh, uh, arrived in Kansas, we were on an outreach. I think my son was probably about 17 years old. And we're just going from door to door. We've got an event that's coming up. And my son is trying to get a gentleman's attention and invite him out, hands him a flyer. uh, And uh, uh, the man says, I used to go to that church. That man tried to get me to worship the devil. And my son says, My dad? And the guy realized that he's kind of on shaky ground a little bit and notices, you know, some of our group that's walking out there and says, Oh, who's that pretty young lady that you're with there today? My son turns around, My mom? And then he says, oh, shoo, just get out of here. I'm not interested. See, people will say things, sometimes have no basis in truth, simply because they want to shake someone's faith. I knocked on a door in an outreach just a few years back as well, and a gentleman answered the door, and I extended an invitation, and he says, you couldn't pay me to go to that church. And of course, you know, why would you say that? You know, can you enlighten me? Why why you feel that way? Well, I know that guy. He's queer as a $3 bill. He's been divorced. He beats his kids. I don't know why anybody would want to go to that church. And I said, well, I'm Dave Johnson. I'm the pastor at the church. I've been married to the same woman since I was 18 years old. My kids love me. And he slammed the door. (laughs) See, people will be unrighteous and unfair just as Jesus said. They will say all manner of evil against you falsely simply because you want to serve God. And this is an unwelcome mold for many people. To realize this is part uh, and parcel with the Christian life, uh, with demonstrating our faith. Uh, How many know that if you're in a sports team, uh, it's important not just that you have skills, but they want to build endurance in you? That's why they make you run. The first day of a practice, you know, they don't have you tossing a ball around and uh, position instruction. No, they just have you running. Run and run some more. Run sprints. Run long distance. When you join the military, it's kind of the same way. Uh, you hardly know uh, uh, you're left from your right. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, but all of a sudden, they want you to put on these packs, all this gear, and have you march uh, mile after mile. Uh, they have uh, uh, our troops sometimes uh, bivouacking or spending nights in cold uh, or hot climates. And uh, all of this uh, simply revolves around establishing the ability To endure. Because it doesn't matter if you have all of the best technology. It doesn't matter if you have the best weapons. If you cannot stand your ground and endure on a field of battle. If you can't last in a team sport. It doesn't matter how well you can shoot. How much you can dribble. But it matters whether or not you still got some gas left the last few minutes of the game. That same principle is so very true for the believer. Matthew 10, verse 22, Jesus' words, You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Now we know in every generation, you know, that people's experiences are different. And, you know, being a Christian in America in the 21st century is, we got it easy. There are believers who are suffering in third world countries, uh, in Islamic nations, uh, who don't have it near as good as we do. And when you think of the generations that came before us and the suffering that believers endured, especially in those first few centuries, we realize how privileged we really are. Mark 8, verse 38 Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. See, this is why it's so important for us to stand, regardless of what the world may think, regardless of what others may say. We stand our ground. We maintain our faith. We endure for Jesus' sake i want going to close with a thought of those made. How many here would say they got it made? I'm not lifting my hands. Because we know a Christian's life isn't made in the shade. We are not made. We are not shaped and molded by a life of ease. We are encouraged to buy the truth and to sell it not. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We are being sanctified by the Word of God. We are being changed from glory unto glory, even by the Spirit of God. And eventually, God is going to vindicate each and every one of us for our labors and our efforts as we keep our testimony. And as we serve God with a whole heart, there is a reward to be obtained in the presence of God. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 25 through 33 says the Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Here the writer is addressing that learning to bear the yoke of responsibility, even in your youth, uh, that this is advantageous for your future, uh, the shaping and the molding process, to learn, uh, to keep silent, to not be mouthy, uh, but to let God teach you, even in the secret places. uh, And, uh, as it says, to give your cheek to the one who strikes you. This is something that goes against our nature. Again, he's not talking about letting people abuse us uh, for no reason, but it's addressing the issue of the reproach that is received because of your stand for God. I've Had people say, oh, are you one of those Jesus freaks? I say, yes, I am. Whose freak are you? <laughs> Bud hasn't made you any wiser. Miller hasn't given you the high life. See, it's good to belong to God. See, and there's a lot of paradoxes we find in the kingdom of heaven. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. The proud will be humble. The humble will be exalted. There are those who give, yet increase. And this is the process that makes you and I who we are that identifies us, that separates us from the rest of the world. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 12 and 13, Paul writes, We labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Later on in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then... I am strong. The Apostle Paul began to understand is that in his efforts to fulfill the will of God that he experienced an immense amount of abuse. And this left a mark on his body. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh that he asked the Lord to heal him from. But God's response was that my grace is sufficient for you. And the Apostle Paul embraced this. He accepted that. He understood, just as he told the congregations as well, don't be ashamed of me and my chains, for what has happened to me has fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. It has stirred the controversy of the gospel. It has put Jesus on the tongues of people in entire cities. Leaders, the emperor of Rome. Is now speaking about this Jesus that Paul preaches because of the torment that he has had to endure. Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. See, we don't advocate you letting somebody beat you up because they don't like your face or the car you drive, or the area of town you live in. I mean, know it's important we defend ourselves of the things that are valuable to us in this violent generation. But when it comes to our stand for the gospel and the things of God, it's so important uh, that uh, we can embrace these words and understand uh, that it's a privilege to suffer for his sake, in certain circumstances. Hebrews 10, 32-34, recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, this is when the believers had begun to embrace the Gospel, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, You had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Again, the apostle is in Encouraging the Hebrews and how they endured uh, those early uh, experiences as a believer. How they identified with the gospel. uh, Identifying with the apostles uh, and their treatment. uh, Continued to give. Continued to support them. uh, Even providing their material goods. So that the churches could continue to excel. See, This is what shapes and molds our life. We want to be ministers of the gospel. We want to have a lasting impact. We want Jesus to change us from who we are. But when we think of what makes that happen in our life, oftentimes it's that trial of being separate, being different, being set apart and sanctified for His purpose. So I wonder if we can bow our heads just for a moment, close our eyes just briefly. Before we do anything,
0: we thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.